Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am the host. Episode 73 of Book of Leaves, where I am going to interview Spider, who works for Common Knowledge, which is an amazing initiative based in County Clare in the west of Ireland that focuses on empowering people with the skills to to basically relearn skills that we've forgotten over the years from mending clothes to building houses, permaculture, loads of really useful things that I'm sure we all wish that we learned in school. But Common Knowledge just looks absolutely amazing. I've yet to visit them. Jer and Taz from the Uses Project has done some mending uh, workshops there. They host build schools a lot of the time of various levels and they're currently fundraising now to put a deposit down on the land that they're using um, in County Clare because they would like to to take ownership of it so they can add more community hubs and everything. So I'll link everything that we mentioned from their website to the fundraiser and that in the show notes and hopefully even if you're listening and in the future you can check out their website and avail of some of the workshops and that and before I jump into the interview I just want to say hello and welcome and I want to plug an event that's happening this weekend it is of course climate action week this week uh, beginning the 10th of October 2022 and there's loads of events on if you search uh, climate ambassador or any kind of climate networks or pages that you follow online you will probably find something happening climate ambassador is a really brilliant newsletter to have uh, to be signed up to because they have loads of stuff going on all the time and this weekend there is a festival of music and art and workshops a completely free festival happening in Dublin on the grounds of TU Dublin so the old kind of Grange Gorman campus of TU Dublin they are hosting uh, I say they concern are hosting a festival called cop on which is a phrase we have in Ireland if someone is misbehaving we'd say ah would you cop on and they are using that colloquial term to prepare for cop 27 in November so people who come along to the festival can submit things that they would like to be brought to uh, certain delegates and and uh, people with power at COP27. So not only that, they also have free music, loads of free concerts. They've got loads of panel talks and they've got loads of workshops. I'll actually be doing a how to podcast workshop on the Saturday, which I think is sold out, which is pretty cool, pretty amazing. So I'm really looking forward to hosting that. And yeah, I will definitely see some of you there on Saturday come up and say hi also on Saturday or Friday evening it kicks off um with some music I am working Friday evening though but if I wasn't I would absolutely be there so that's something I'm looking forward to this weekend and now for your immediate attention I would love to pass the mic over to Spider from Common Knowledge who can talk to you all about the work they do don't forget if you like the podcast please share it with a friend you can rate review subscribe to it on any podcast platform or YouTube and if you are in a position that you can support the fog the podcast the podcast financially that would be greatly appreciated and you can do that via patreon.com forward slash book of leaves or of course uh, there's also a once-off option on buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves if monies is not something you have um enough of to contribute monthly i totally get it believe you me so thank you so much to all my patreons that i have already I love you guys. That's it. I do. I love you guys so much. It's very, very um, helpful. So, yeah, that's it. And is there anything else I have to say? I don't think so. 
Probably not. I should probably just hand it over to Spider now. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you after. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am Spider Hickman and I was brought up in the UK, in London, and I have only spent the last six months over in Ireland. So it's all sort of still new to me. Um, but no, I came over to visit friends originally, Harrison Gardner and Erin McClure, um, because I'd met Harrison through working with him on Earthships. It kind of uh, evolved of having conversations of with two other friends of ours from Earthship who were based in Europe of rather than us traveling around the world, which was amazing, but going to know Japan and Australia and sort of New Mexico what we could actually be doing in Europe being more localized Harrison was starting to settle down and want to spend more time in Ireland with his wife and having children and I guess the conversations from Earthship had evolved into what we could do and it was around that time that Harrison then started his uh, build school courses and invited me to come and teach and that's guess why I've ended up in Ireland but there was a whole long history and story as to how I then ended up at Earthship in the first place. Well um, yeah what what is Earthship for people for people who haven't heard of it I don't know much about it at all. Okay so Earthships are these amazing buildings that all stem from this architect called Michael Reynolds who during the sort of late 60s 70s there was a big influx of hippies who kind of moved from California to New Mexico um, where land was cheaper, they hadn't been sort of turfed out, and there was there'd been quite a few various stages of creativity in this place called Taos in New Mexico. You know, the first sort of wave was actually in the twenties. It's it's actually becoming it's becoming very popular again with artists again in this new wave. But going back to Mike Reynolds, he basically went there straight after architecture school, where he realised that. He was actually really disengaged with architecture having graduated. He was just like, it's it's a part of rubbish. And mm. in the theme of rubbish, he also realized that all these materials that were being used were sort of expensive and toxic. And he realized that there was just so much literal garbage on the wayside of all these roads that he could actually, he started experimenting building with. So he started finding, you know, empty cans taping them all together and making sort of six, empty six pack cans as bricks and built his first house just out of cans. And I think he, it, quite a lot of his whole desire to be off grid was actually about not liking society and actually mm-hmm. wanting to be totally by himself. So he built this house to be totally self-sufficient so that he could grow his own vegetables, have his own heating, collect his own rainwater and survive without having to engage with other people. But inevitably because he was doing something really interesting, it <laughs> all these people sort of gravitating like, towards him, being like, what are you doing? So he wasn't left alone at all. And um, and then I, I think the, the uh, National Geographic picked up on it and did an article about this man living in garbage in the middle of the desert. And slowly, more and more people, you know, builders, architects, people who were just not happy in society, mm. And realizing there were alternative ways to live, started wanting to learn with him and build with him. So this community has grown and grown. And there are now three different communities in New Mexico. And he is constantly changing the way that these earthships are built, depending on where in the world they are, 
but also he he really wants to prove that you don't have to be living in a kind of hovel to be off grid yeah and so people have that perception a lot of the time don't yeah they? and you're kind of like oh it's going to be kind of really like scummy and it's going to be a bit yeah. dirty and actually he has built he, he constantly tries to prove that you can actually have your coffee machine your fridge your freezer your tv like your steam shower and like if you've got the right systems of solar panels to be able to to run those things you can be in living in total luxury um so the whole concept of earthship is more of a philosophy mm. of if you're a, uh, a ship at sea you have to have everything with you you've got to have your water your food oh. everything there and actually what these buildings are is that they are earth ships they're there for your ships on earth that are able to give you everything that you could possibly need to live um and it just so happens that at the moment they are being built out of um tires and it doesn't mean that they have to be. They could be anything of stone that then holds on to heat because the whole point of Earthships is that they're made out of tyres and you have a south-facing greenhouse if you're in the northern hemisphere or a north-facing greenhouse if you're in the southern hemisphere to trap that heat. And so that's how it heats up the whole building, but the tyres the act as a battery to hold on to that heat that's then sort of um, buried into the ground. Wow. And so it's just using a lot of like old uh, ways of building. So it's not like he's, you know, reinvented the wheels. He's just gathered a lot of old ways that we've all, we've built historically. And we just forgot about. And just forgot about, you know. I mean, they're brilliant in so many ways of whilst you're building them, it's it's a real community feel because Mm -hmm. it's a group of people all sweating into these tires with sledgehammers pounding them with earth as you're listening to music and making conversation and you meeting new people but also once you actually get to the point of spending time living in them the whole thing is that it the sort of principle is that if you look after it it will look after you Mm. so depending on they really make you aware of what's happening around you because if it's really if, if it hasn't been raining you have to be really conservative with your water so you can't have some luxurious long shower or bath you're going to use your water for the essentials of whatever you know whether that's going to be making your cup of tea or brushing your teeth like that's all yeah. you're going to do and once it rains you can then relish and having like a lovely you know shower and be able to water all your plants and do everything else and sort of sweep and wash the floors and do you know if it's been really sunny outside, that's the time to charge all your battery operated yeah. things. And if it's been really dark outside, then you've got to turn off all the lights. You know, you've got to be aware of like what your consumption is within a building. I think it really makes you think, whereas I think that's the problem with the way that we live now. Um, so many people are so careless with just thinking that you can turn the light on, you can just let the water run whilst you're mm. brushing your teeth or whatever it is. It's just... Um, we're so disconnected, like we literally have these concrete walls to, like dividing us from the outside world and windows that we look out perhaps into a nice green garden like I'm lucky to have here or into a paved, paved over uh, car park spot, yeah. you know, like so there is the, like literally your the, the walls in, a, in an earthship are being heated like with the elements and you're, there is no kind of like barrier of, you know, we're 
outside of nature like the whole house is kind of like working with your surroundings which I think is is so fascinating it's really important but I guess like that's such an amazing oh adventure to go on um Mm. did you come from like an eco-conscious family or was there like would this just kind of naturally interest you or how did you get into it uh I would I wouldn't say that uh, no I wouldn't say that we were (laughs) I think that um my dad especially is a is a proper kind of wartime baby so conserving things has always been very much part of his his way of being yeah um and I guess I mean I could probably agree with him that we 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 loathe to throw things out almost on the hoarder spectrum Mm -hmm. but and there's that huge satisfaction of finding some of putting used to something that you've been keeping for a while to be like now I can, this is how yes, it's going to. This is why this. I had it all this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which drives my mum slightly mental. But um, so, I, but so I think he has that kind of attitude of not wanting waste and not wanting waste in materials or food or all these things. So I don't think it had necessarily come from an environmental perspective, but it came more of just a kind of necessity of how people used to always live, like using the same pair of shoes and polishing them and wearing that same jumper and fixing it and darning their socks. Whereas now if someone has a hole in their sock, they're out, they're in the bin. No one would like really bothers to, to fix them. Um, and I guess it kind of leads me into slightly what we're trying to do now is this rekindle festival mm-hmm. is that there's an old historical way of living that we pushed away from because, you know, it, it, so much of our, society that we now live in was about like how to spend and it was the 80s boom and it was kind of how to to show off how you know wealthy everyone was becoming we're now going back to the ways of actually just wanting a really beautifully made jumper that will last for as long as possible or a jacket or shoes that you just take care of and the rekindle festival is kind of beautiful erin has been like spearheading the whole thing of of all these lost skills or nearly lost skills, which have kind of been unappreciated and are starting to be appreciated again, but we don't know how to do all these things, you know, whether that's weaving or rope making or all these, like these things that people have been doing for centuries and have um, just not bothered to learn how to, to do. Yeah, and I think that hide in a shop where someone else has has done it. Or yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's been sent out to somewhere else in the world, We've, and it's been cheaper and easier to do it somewhere else than to do it on home territory. Mm. So the Rekindle festivals that yeah. that is something that Common K kind of uh, have a have a hand in hosting, and he, like, how often are they a year? Or so, is there... so at the moment we had the first one last year and we're going to do another one next, probably spring next in 2023. And it really just was a conversation of how do we involve older members of society who have these, all this knowledge. And so part of what common knowledge is trying to explain is that everyone has something to give. We all have completely different skill sets and we need to work out how to share them. And especially when there's an older generation where this information is being lost, we really need to bring it out and put it on show before it really is lost and encourage other people to take these these things up, whether as hobbies or as future jobs, and actually really appreciate what time and effort is spent into learning a skill and being able to make it into potentially a career. Because I think 
we don't appreciate how long things take. And I and we just actually did a um a course in Dublin and we did make school. It was a wooden base with a concrete top. And it was interesting hearing several people comment of, God, this really is quite a laborious process. And no wonder these things cost more money when they're done. You know, you start mm. to appreciate the cost of something as soon as you start to have a go at doing it yourself because you realize the skill that's involved in make, in producing something. Yeah. And some and things think- you can't just rush. It's like growing food when you start to grow yeah. your own food and you realize that you can't just plant a seed at the end of the week. You have a carrot. Oh. You literally have to wait. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same with that. And then yeah. that little carrot is like the sweetest thing to taste. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I, I've watered this so many times to get here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, just, it brings that connection like back into I guess the items they're making or or whatever. And I would love to see like repair cafes and that just being so normal and you know, a, a kind of I guess like just a more circular um culture like there's yeah. nothing I think to lose because I know people can say oh you can you can kind of lose time with these things, but that's like a whole we need to kind of focus on um, like we're only so worried about time because of the kind of capitalist structure we're in of like time is money mm. that, which I don't think should be the case but Rekindle sounds like a beautiful um festival and a way to like bring people together it was it was really lovely and it was it, there also sort of so many um it was a really wet, good way of um getting all the community of Ennis Diamond all together as well because yeah. then quite a lot of musicians came and played and it's, it's just a it's appreciating what Ennis Diamond, I mean, I've only started visiting Ennis Diamond in the last five years and I appreciate that it's it's changed a lot and it's a mm. sort of anonymy, anon, anonymy, I can't even say it now. Of, um, Anonymally? I don't know. Isn't it? There we go. <laughs> um, in, in, in that it's it's got this kind of hive and this buzz going on of a lot of people moving, creative people from predominantly, I think, Dublin moving out and having taken it as its new base of like, of food and there's home tree who are growing who are doing these amazing things of growing of planting trees there's this lovely hive of people who are are trying to sort of build community on top of what already existed there and I think what was really lovely about Rekindle is that it's celebrating what Ennis Diamond was before all these people started arriving and why it's mm-hmm. such a special place going back to the the conversation about appreciation of time is a really interesting one because um one of the projects that we've been doing actually this summer was processing wool. And I hadn't realized actually how many um, sheep farmers just leave all the wool on the side of their fields, just rotting because it's more expensive because they have to shear the sheep no matter what happens. Oh, but it's okay, so that's not what they have the sheep for. Like, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. And yeah. so they're yeah. using it for meat. And so there then the cost of transporting the wool to the local market for it to then be properly and usually sent which is ridiculous the closest scouring plant is in the uk so by the time it comes back it's it's like it's not worth what it is not worth anything to them they've actually spent a lot of money and so quite a lot of these irish jumpers which i'm in total awe of are not actually irish wool quite often it can be like new zealand or um wool that's been processed in china and then brought over here and that's exactly the moment I'm like, oh, no, something's really wrong with this system. Yeah. And so um, we've been talking and to a couple of 
designers and stuff who obviously want to be using the like Irish wool, but also wool is this amazing insulative material to be building with. And there are different stages of it because you can either have the really fine, beautiful, clean wool that's probably like near its neck, that's really soft, and that's great for making into jumpers. Then you have the wool that we can use for insulation. And then you have the wool that's covered in like horse, not horse, that'd be interesting, um, sheep shit. (laughs) And it's really, really good to use for composting and for growing. And so there's all these different stages of wool that we we're not using. And this goes into like the circular economy of where we're not getting the best out of the whole process of wool. Mm-hmm. And when we were processing it um, over the summer, just to kind of see, because the way that you process it, you have to get the lanolin out of the sheep wool, mm-hmm. which is what makes it waterproof. But because uh, lanolin is um, flammable, you can't have it within buildings. And so you need to take the lanolin out. Right. But the lanolin can also be used to protect wood. So it can be used to treat wood to make it. I know. So you're like, there are so many stages of this one thing that's being like <laughs> left in a field that we're just not using the resource of it mm. because it's it's too laborious, too time consuming, too time consuming. And expensive for what people are willing to pay for these products. Yeah, and and I think that's a really interesting thing that hopefully by having these kind of micro scouring plants dotted all, all over Ireland, which is starting to happen and starting a conversation about it happening, can allow people to be more engaged with what these waste materials or these perceived waste materials actually we can ex- like, we can extract so many incredible things from them rather than having to import them from the other side of the world so i think there's th- 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 there's this kind of interesting point where when we have these conversations about wool with people from build school people are so excited they're so excited that there's something that is out there that that hasn't been tapped into and that they realize there's something that's so attainable that they could potentially create their own insulation from these natural materials. And I think this is what's kind of exciting me is that so that it's become way more commonplace for people to want to engage with that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's been such a huge increase. I may, and I think possibly the pandemic had a had a lot to do with it as well with people kind of slowing down and perhaps mm. getting in touch with nature again, but um slowly but surely a lot of people are coming around to seeing the benefit and the community that these kind of like, you know, finding a waste product and like finding all the uses for it it's so satisfying as well so um, there's so many like upcycling kind of workshops and mending workshops and that that are are like booming now in in Dublin it's great to see um but common knowledge so this it kind of encompasses everything that we've been talking about so Harrison did you say set this up in in Clare or what what is what is I guess the core nugget of common knowledge okay so I guess um what had happened is that uh, we've been teaching people to build these earthships all over the, all over the place, and Harrison. So he started doing these build schools, and then a friend of ours called Greg um, from France joined teaching as well. And then it was actually only last year; it feels like a lifetime ago um, that I then came and helped on a build school. And Fion Kidney, who is another co-founder, had signed up to take part in build school. And in the end, it it was Fionn and Harrison having a, uh, you know, 
late night chats around a campfire Mm. and just discussing what the future of Build School could be. Because Build School is obviously Harry's knowledge. So when we're talking about common knowledge, that Harry's a brilliant builder and he's a brilliant teacher. And Fionn is an extraordinary uh, everything. He's he's the one. No, he because he's sort of he's the one that is so encouraging and fueling what people are interested in, and so good at listening to what people are wanting and being able to talk to the right people to be able to enable that to happen. Um, and then um, Aaron was like very much part of helping Harrison set up Build School in the first place, and she is the one who's sort of with. Uh, set up rekindle and I guess this is the part of um uh, of common knowledge that Erin's skill sets are she's does a lot of like natural dyeing and she's um an amazing illustrator and that's kind of how common knowledge suddenly has this sort of incredible branding and look and everything right from the very get-go um it looked more slick it looked more slick than probably we were (laughs) because Erin's so talented and I guess There's so much noise in the UK of people trying to do stuff. Whereas I feel like in Ireland, it's it's big enough for things to happen, but small enough that they that everyone can hear about things that are going on for word to spread and to be encouraging and say, oh, you should check out what they're doing or you should meet this person. And suddenly this network becomes really tight of people being able to say, okay, well, you're building and you're cooking and you're growing and you're doing this. And actually it's a really open community of people wanting to help all these great things happening. And Common Knowledge, you know, it's a non-profit social enterprise. We don't actually have land yet. And that is part of what we're trying to fundraise for Mm. um, is to put down the deposit of buying the Bog Hill Centre. And the Bog Hill Centre has been working as a center for you know retreats and music um weekends and workshops for i think like 30 odd years um oh. yeah and it started off with two couples and sonia who still lives on the land what she's already set up is is brilliant because it's got the accommodation it's got the workshops it's got like the commercial kitchen it's got the gardens it's got like the stone circle and even though at the moment common knowledge hasn't really branched it hasn't consciously started dipping its toes into sort of connecting people together. Mm. I think that happens regardless on these courses that we've set up because it's yeah. people meeting for, you know, signing up to these courses for with, and they have got mutual interests of, as to wanting to build and make and mend yeah. and grow. But I think what has already happened on Bog Hill is something that we're really excited about being able to continue. I think this is where, the future of common knowledge is it's a really exciting prospect because I think there's so much scope with these bog lands and that we're really excited about learning. And it's more about permaculture and growing and understand understanding the earth and broadening common knowledge to everything that it encompasses to be able to live sustainably. And I think that building is just one element of that. Everyone has a right to being able to live in their own space and somewhere that they call home. And obviously a house is a big part of that, especially in this day and age where it's so hard for people to buy anywhere. Mm. But once you have that, what are the, or if you're renting or whatever it is, what is it that can help you live in your mo- in like the most kind of comfortable way that makes you feel 
that this is somewhere that supports you in your everyday life without it being a traumatic thing or something that's like an ex- like a ridiculously expensive thing that you're constantly having to chase jobs just to be able to afford to live and have something, a roof over your head, mm. which is where it all becomes so ridiculous in this world, in this sort of how much we're spending our wages on just having a front door to walk through. Yep. <laughs> I relate to yeah. that feeling very hard yeah. Yeah. and then you can't um you don't have ownership so even like there's so many things I'd love to do to the garden here but because mm. I rent it like I'd love to put a pond in and you know really make it a little haven but the landlord is like no or even when I try to leave the gra- leave the leaves last autumn she was like no you have to rake those oh. for, uh, to keep the neighbors happy you know the- these kind of things so it's mm. like yeah you're chasing jobs to pay rent and then you can't even like you know really do what you possibly could with with the house but that's why that's one of the questions I I had for you is um because obviously there is benefit even if you don't have land or you're not going to be building a shed or a home anytime soon there's obviously benefit in coming to these places to gain these skills and meet people but as you were saying it's not just about building um but I guess what what kind of things for people who aren't thinking about just building a home, can they, uh, what kind of skills and experiences can they have in Common K? Okay, so I think there's 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 two things. One is what we're hoping to do, because this building, because as, because we're a non-profit, it, the building's going to be community owned. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a place for anyone and everyone to be able to kind of say, actually, we'd love to learn about X, Y, and Z can you facilitate that? And can we host this on this, 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 this land and in this place? Um, and at the moment we, we did amending work. Well, we started a men's series and we really want to continue that. And that started with the useless project. Mm. And we want to do one with like electronics and, you know, fixing furniture and or restoring furniture. I mean, there's so much of the joy of finding like a little thing and some kind of market and being yes. like, I want to, I want to, I want to make this mine again. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sort of um, too complicated. It's just being able to make sure it works and, yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's yours. And um, and I guess this is part of Make School. What we did is, again, being able to have a stool that is yours, that you know that you cut those pieces of wood, you sanded it, you know how each bit of it was put together. And there's huge ownership in that of of knowing that everything that you have inside that is is yours. Mm-hmm. And that you had your were able with your own hands to to make it because you then appreciate it to such an extent, and I guess that's where um, renting is comp- is is hard because all landlords are different of whether you can put nails in the wall or paint it a different color as long as you turn it back to sterile white at the end or whatever it is, and I think that's part of what we want to be able to do again is like growing of looking after houseplants of all the things that you can also look after yourself um we've had some past students who've come up to us with ideas for next year about how to make your own kind of tinctures or things to for your own self-care at home and i guess that's what common knowledge wants to be able to facilitate is someone being able to put up their hand being like i can teach people this and everyone else being like perfect and it's just a sort of a hub of skill set sharing and knowledge sharing so yeah, I kind of see it as a kind of place of meeting and retreat and skill learning and sharing. 
really. Which, it encompasses it. Yeah, and it's absolutely brilliant. And the illustration that Erin, uh, is that her name? Yeah. Um, did of the the hopeful plans of uh the the land looks so beautiful so hopefully yeah. the fundraising you're doing for the deposit uh goes well i mean you were saying that you're at 93 percent already and you're having some fundraisers in dublin and that and people can like support at different amounts and get kind of different perks when they donate on the yeah. um fund page is there anything else you want to say about the fundraiser well i guess like we've got to this point where um it would have been obviously very convenient if there'd been someone who just said here you go here's you know a nice grand. juicy philanthropist we exactly. all love one of them yeah yeah <laughs> but actually if we'd done that or we'd found that person it would have defeated all the um the fuel that it's given us of when people have given us anything from like 10 euro to like five thousand, which was extraordinary because at the moment i think we have something about 240 people who have donated money mm. And actually, that's the thing that's really I'm finding really like emotionally rewarding is is realizing how many people want this to happen. You know, we're sort of saying how amazing would it be to have like 500 people donate money, even if like it now starts to be like, you know, five euro each or like two euro each. Like it doesn't matter. Like we realize that a lot of people don't have the cash, especially as what we're about to go into with energy costs and everything else. Everyone's everyone's scared and nervous Mm -hmm. as and um for us, what we want to be able to do is create this place because the more we're able to then try and teach people about insulating their homes or changing these their ways of living, hopefully we won't be so reliant on the future of energy costs rising. So I hope that we're able to invest what the future of Bog Hill is going to be into being able to make sure that people aren't so scared of what yeah. their living situation is. Um, so I guess my, our fundraiser at the moment is is to try and celebrate more and more people because I think that's where in the future we'll be able to sort of say there were 500 people who wanted this to happen and that feels amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's probably, there's way, way more people who want it to happen mm-hmm. and either haven't heard of it yet or just don't have the cash right now to, yeah. to donate to it. Yeah. But I'd say like very few people would stand in the way of something that's so just beneficial in so many ways. And we talked about, the benefits um like a lot of kind of in general kind of of benefits that are so rewarding from from this kind of work but have you got any kind of like personal favorite stories or anything um or experiences stand out this is amazing moments or just lovely little moments from any of the schools or fundraisers or any of the time in common k um i think one of the really lovely things that, that happened is that there's a woman who signed up and did level one and level two earlier on the summer and her and her partner have bought a, a place and um, they invited a whole bunch of people who had been on level one, level two with them. And so they had a whole weekend of building at their house and she was cooking. She's an amazing cook called Four Hands Studio and it's all like fermented foods and stuff. And so mm-hmm. she was cooking this incredible food. I know exactly. She was cooking this amazing food and I seen pictures of it and it was really lovely to think that they had all met under this umbrella of common knowledge and they'd all gone and they were digging and taking like old sort of um, cement render off this beautiful stone building. And actually it was pretty much all women from the course as well. And there was this really cool thing of, yeah, you're doing this. You've all met under this umbrella. You're doing this incredible project of restoring your house. And 
um, and that's community. And that's yeah. what, it doesn't have to just stay under us. It's the fact that this is then going to keep on spreading and other people yeah. will be able to teach other people how to do the skills that they've learned from common knowledge or the other people who have they've met through it. And I think that's the kind of thing that I find very exciting. There's, there's such a sort of predominant story with a lot of women who sort of say that when they were growing up, their father or grandfather would teach their brothers and cousins how to mm-hmm. use tools. But the women were kind of sent into the kitchen and sort of being like, no, 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 this is not where you, this is not where you come and play. Mm-hmm. And I think I was really lucky that my dad was really encouraging. So he's, he's, he had um, a couple of cars that he would spend weekends like tinkering under and I'd like pass him tools and like chat with him. And so it was never a kind of, I never had a moment of you're not allowed to touch these things. These are men's, yeah. this is the men's space. And it's, it, it's one of the most satisfying things on the first day we do two tool time and there'll be someone who's terrified of lifting a power tool and there'll be like an impact driver and they've never used it before. And they're like, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. And there's making screeching noise. And you're like, it's fine. Like you've only just picked it up. And then like four days later, the upper ladder using this impact driver, putting like a beam into like this, like timber frame structure. And you're like suddenly being able to stop them and be like, see, like, look what you're up to now. And you can see this like huge, like, satisfaction in themselves and glee that they've managed to do this thing and in this really short period of time something that felt like you'll never be able to learn or do yourself suddenly you're like yeah you can do it you're not excluded like no one's excluded from this of like any age or gender or anything and I think that's the thing that I find really exciting about it like even if you know I don't have um, a house or land but I would I could go to one of these places and learn skills that would just empower me not only in future situations but also then to like that that um, woman you were talking about if someone's like I would really love a bit of help building xyz and you're like do you know what I'm free I'll come give you a hand and like these kind of community experiences have been shown to like not only just help with your mental health because you're actually reconnecting with people but totally yeah the blue zones where people live long quality lives their Mm. main thing they all share there's like a couple of different things that they all tick like you know mostly whole foods mostly plant-based foods they spend a lot of time outdoors but they all have a strong community connection all of them um so that I think that's just something that we just forget or you know we think community online is the same when it, it, online can be great but it doesn't have yeah. there's difference with working with your hands so I think well, that's so 100 percent 100 percent I think working with your hands especially when we're so so used to working with our hands by tapping away at a computer. We're just not used to getting them rough and dirty and, you know, scuffed up. And it's so satisfying. Yeah. It really does feel amazing. Um, yeah. But no, Emma was on Make School. And actually, again, I think for Make School, we had like 14 women on Make School and four men. And it was, and it, there is, there is this kind of very satisfying thing of, of seeing, uh, as you say, the empowerment of someone using a tool that before they felt like wasn't in there, like they weren't allowed to touch it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're on this table saw and they're like covered in sawdust. And you're like, they're just sort of, there's this childlike quality of just feeling the freedom of playing again. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to have to see the work that Common Knowledge is doing. And hopefully you guys, I'm sure you will reach the fundraiser. But um, I would encourage people to check out the website and your your social medias and stuff so they can keep up to date with all that kind of work. Is there anything else? I guess maybe it's yes, of course, there's of course I can like guide everyone to be like, okay, check out like our common knowledge and um see our fundraiser but i guess that the the bit that we're now looking towards and i guess it's that whole kind of positive mental attitude of like the bog hill is going to be the new home for common knowledge yeah even though the deposit is just a small fraction of like the rest of it but we'll deal with that um but i guess it's also the fun bit right now that we have is planning what else we're going to be teaching and learning and um, there are so many skill sets that we still need to tap into. It'd be it'd be so nice to hear what other people are wanting to learn. And because we've got these fifty part of Bog Hill is fifty acres of um, peatland, and you know during lockdown I did um, a permaculture course, and I'm really excited about bringing that to Bog Hill because you know the peat has been removed from these this bogland. We're about to do a whole kind of rewetting sort of and increased biodiversity and I'm really excited about for me learning about this whole new side of living and life so people can Um, get in touch with you if they have like ideas yeah absolutely because I think this is where common knowledge is trying to find all these people who feel that they're ready to be able to share knowledge yeah not just learn and you don't need necessarily to have like a doctorate behind you like you could have been making bread for years you know and no one knows like you don't need to be kind of selling something or making I think something sometimes people you know think oh I don't qualify I even fear that I'm not qualified in something but I do end up knowing just so much about it so I think that's yeah well I think that goes back to our sort of general sort of ethos in life is that society has kind of said unless you have got to the top of your your field then then be quiet and it's kind of like well how do you get there then like how do you experiment and play and sort of share ideas and get to this theoretical point of like success when actually that's kind of irrelevant it's about us now all working together to try and solve a climate crisis a housing crisis an energy crisis a kind of disengagement from from community crisis that we're all kind of going through a kind of mental health like there's so many things that are not right. And actually, therefore, we need, need to kind of rewrite a rule of what makes us feel right as humans. Yeah. And and I guess this is just like starting to try and open up these conversations of how do we reevaluate these things? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, it's just that ripple effect and planting seeds and um, empowering people as we go I love the work the common K is doing and I'm oh, so excited thanks. to see where it goes you gotta come uh, visit. I know I'll have to go with Dennis Simon um absolutely get a get a train across for one of the make schools um is a would be a dream but yeah. to pivot to yeah. some random questions before we end because I would yes. love as you say like we could literally chat for hours um, <laughs> and there's never enough time to yeah. kind of get everything out of my guests that I want I'm like I want to know your whole life story but <laughs> there's only so much time that people have for a podcast so I love to just ask some random questions if you want to pick okay. a letter of the alphabet okay I'm gonna go for n. n n if you could live as an animal what would it be wow 
I immediately have two animals that come to mind. Firstly, an elephant, just because they have always been my favorite animal. I think that they are extraordinary. And the first time I ever saw one out of captivity, I burst into tears just because I could hear that sort of the whole, the ground shaking as they're walking towards me. Where were you? Uh, I I was actually in Thailand. And so it was a small one. I think if it had been an African elephant, I think I would have probably not been quite, I'd have probably freaked out more than (laughs) (laughs) than it had been. Um, But on Mm. the other extreme, I am a huge cat person. So I think that the indulgence of a cat is absurd. Yeah. If they're in the, if they're in a home with a crazy cat lady, yeah. <laughs> they're able. And actually, it's their ability as cats that are allowed outdoors of being able to go and snoop around and explore and climb and chase and feel that freedom, but always have a home to come back to. Mm. And and I think there's something of a cat I guess a domestic cat that I it's it's very representation I think of like how I feel of being able to go out into the world and explore and get myself into potentially sort of tricky situations and (laughs) and life questionable life decisions and then be able to to return home and feel safe that is so cool yeah and as well you could have multiple homes where you've got different people feeding you and exactly. um, you find different communities <laughs> but I like I like actually your thing addition of a, like of having different communities that you can feel at home with as yeah. well yeah, yeah 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 look at us full of the analogies there's someone taking notes at home making <laughs> quote photographs um <laughs> can you pick another letter before okay. we go uh, I'm gonna go T. Hmm. If you could look into the future as it's going to be, would you do it? Wow. That's a big question. <laughs> I know. <sighs> God, I'm so nosy that I probably would. Yeah. But I guess it's like any kind of fortune telling or any kind of looking into sort of the future you kind of only want to see what you want to see mm. and I guess um I was actually just listening to a podcast last yesterday when I was driving across um to from Dublin to Galway yesterday and it was um Jane Goodall's book <gasps> yeah um on hope and that idea of hope is what can fuel people mm-hmm. to to make change is if you knew that it was going to fail then you wouldn't would you still do it? And I guess that's why, especially at the moment, we all need hope to be able to push us out of all these situations. Yeah. If we knew that something was going to work, then would we actually become a bit like, oh, well, it's going to, it's fine. Well, yeah. we can kind of sit back and relax it's now. It's kind of like need you need to, to live with it kind of, it could go either way because otherwise you'll be complacent or you might just give up entirely. So you're like, that uncertainty is kind of where is is the I guess the part that fuels people of like, oh no, it it we don't know, so we have to yeah. do something to make it go a direction. Yeah, and I guess like so. Therefore, my answer is no. Even <laughs> though I'd be like, oh no, this yeah. would be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think that that's what you do. You need to kind of have the unknown to 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 fuel you. We can make change, and yeah, and and I think we absolutely can. And it's not as it doesn't it's not always as scary or overwhelming as science or politicians make it out to be. It can be as simple as 
you know, community building. And there's just mm. so much resilient strength to be built from that, um, that, you know, you're literally shaping the world you want to see. And I guess this is something that I want to start asking listeners is when you imagine the future as you would like it to be, what is one of your favorite things about it? Mm. It's funny. I do. I love buildings. But as soon as you ask that question, I have this like this like vision of like green of yeah. there just being like this lushness. I'm really intrigued about the future of for me personally to understand about permaculture, because I think that's where so many of the things of connecting all the parts of life that we enjoy will be able to, to fulfill this whole way of living rather than feeling any guilt in doing certain things. And I think that's where I've personally got to in my life where I feel guilty doing some things. You know, if I drive from Dublin to Galway, you're like, oh shit, I could have taken, you know, the tube, not the tube, I could have taken the train or the bus or something. We're in this point of where we're trying to push and improve, but we're going through a guilt phase. And I really can't wait for the future where we don't have to feel guilty about doing anything. Yeah. but we can still live well <laughs> yeah yeah but there, there's just the the systems have been built so that you're not what you buy or um, consume isn't taking a toll mm. on somebody or the environment somewhere else like your food comes from around you and you have public exactly. transport and access to everything you need close by and then you know if you do want to say take like your one foreign holiday every few years you can like indulge that and take your time yeah. and so travel like yeah beautiful like no no guilt because everything yeah. is set up to be as environmentally kind of in sync in sync with the with the environment that around us so that's a lovely thing to imagine about the future <laughs> so I definitely have to keep this question in for um for listeners I think because I yeah I think it's a really important skill to have imagining what what it could be and what mm. it is going to be so spider i could talk to you for so long but i know you have a, a lovely day in galway to enjoy and a swim to go to later yes. um, that's going to galway bay so that will be my my connection to to nature after the city life love it so thank you so much for all the work that you do and for there you go so I think I'm definitely going to keep in this question I want to start asking it to all my interviewees what is your favorite thing that you imagine will be in the future that we are working towards so if you have something that you'd like to share send it my way as always everything that we mention in the show notes is uh, everything we mentioned in the podcast is linked in the show notes you can also check out the website bookofleadspodcast.com everything will be linked properly there as well if say you can only read text and there's no proper links that you can click into in whatever podcast platform we're listening on so I try and make it um, easy for you to find all the other amazing initiatives that we do be talking about on all the podcast interviews and yeah if there's any topics that you would like to hear or any people you would like to hear get in touch with the podcast and in the meantime I will be back in two weeks time with another episode and hopefully I will see some of you on Saturday don't forget to register for some free tickets to some free music on Saturday 15th of October for Cop On Festival and enjoy have a lovely climate action week there will be loads happening give it a search on Ecosia and I'm sure you'll find events thank you guys share the episode you know what to do I'll talk to you soon bye